You're welcome to another awesome time looking at the Word of God. We've been looking at Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Don't forget that one of the things that we said is that the what the Holy Spirit says is timely when it is given, but timeless in its application. What that means for us is that when it was given to the church at Ephesus, it was timely, but for us as well, it is timeless because we can still learn from them. We also said that this letter is God writing to us, that we should have that at the back of our mind. And I said it is not Paul writing by the Holy Ghost, it is the Holy Ghost writing through Paul. 2 Corinthians 11, 22-28, that the cares of the church that comes upon them, which I said to you that is one of the quality of an apostle. So they write the letters as a result of the burden that the Lord has laid upon their heart. The cares of the Lord that is upon their heart prompts them to put these burdens down. The book of Ephesians is how God sees the saints. We cannot understand or see ourselves in the proper light by which God sees us except we look towards God so that God can now show us how he sees us and it is very important to look at the believer from an eternal perspective. The Bible says that though we walk in the flesh but we know no man in the flesh and a lot of times believers look at each other, judge each other, relate to each other in the flesh. So we need God's perspective to show us who we are. You know, just because you sang the song, I know who I am, does not mean you know who you are. It takes careful study of the scriptures to know who you are. We've also seen that Paul taught in the Ephesian church for two years and three months. And you can still see that there was a need for Paul to write a letter to them addressing certain issues. Some of the very crucial things how God sees them, who they are in the sight of God. Don't also forget that I told you that the book of Ephesians contains prehistoric accounts of Genesis. In other words, for you to understand what happened before Genesis, it will do you a lot of good to be acquainted with the book of Ephesians. So having said that, let's read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ. We've said before that these words are used carefully. Let's focus on Paul saying that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul was sent to the Gentiles by the will of God. In Acts chapter 10, we have the story of Cornelius who was praying and an angel appeared unto him and tell him to get across to Peter and when they get across to Peter, Peter is going to come and show them the way of the Lord and by that that the whole household of Cornelius will be saved. A sheet came from heaven down saying that he should eat but there were all kinds of creatures in that sheet that came down from heaven in that trance which was not in the Jewish kosher that the food that had been prescribed in the Old Testament laws for them to eat. So he said, I've not eaten anything unclean from my youth. They are ceremonially unclean. That's what he's saying. Not accepted. So he's saying that I've not eaten, eaten from this from my youth, Lord, so I can't partake of this. And the Lord did that three times. And he came to the house of 
Cornelius and began to open up to them about the scriptures and to speak to them and while he was speaking to them they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues and Peter replied with a classic that is there any man that can forbid water since that they have received the Holy Ghost and that was how the gospel was first preached to the Gentiles. Paul had come to the Lord in chapter 9 so the crucial timing by which God brought Paul in you can look all I've just said up in um, Acts chapter 9 and chapter 10. It's going to be a benefit to you and you can by extension look at it in 11 as well. So it's going to bless you. So Paul came to the ministry at a very crucial moment in Christianity when the door to, of the gospel was opened unto the Gentiles. So having said that, Paul now said that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Because Jesus sent him to the Gentiles, that's to us. Anybody that does not come from the ancestry of Abraham is a Gentile. I already said that um, before. The Jews are widely dispersed. But anybody that cannot trace their genealogy down to that of Abraham and the ancestries is a Gentile. Let's look at what Paul also said when he said that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God so that you can know that the things that he writes to us about especially to this gentile church in Ephesians and the other churches that he wrote to is so that they can have at the back of their mind that this is not his words that the revelation that they find in his letters do not belong to him it was not as a result of revelational constipation having so much revelation it was a directive from the Lord Jesus Christ himself to fulfill that ministry in the book of Galatians chapter 1 and um, verse 1 Paul an apostle not of men neither by man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead should we read that again he said Paul an apostle not of men so he's not an apostle of any man he's not an apostle because some people sat in one conference room to make him an apostle it was not by balloting that he was an apostle neither by man so he was not called in to serve man he was not elected by man but by who by jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead now i also want to show you this in other scriptures now look at verse 10 of chapter 1 for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men if I yet please men I should not be the servant of Christ but I certify you brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man in other words it's not meant to please man he said for I neither received it of man neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ for you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own country, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. 15 said, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me and that I might preach him among the heathen that the Gentiles immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus 
I said, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and I abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James and the Lord's brother. So Paul was trying to get across to them that, look, the ministry I've received did not come from man. This is the will of God in motion. I didn't even meet the apostles. I didn't meet the core apostles, the 12. I didn't even meet them to begin with. So I couldn't have received anything from them. He said, but I received this by the revelation of Jesus Christ, which agrees with what he had said in Acts 26, where the Lord is saying that he has sent him to be a witness to the Gentiles, both the things that he is saying to him at that moment and what he will reveal unto him at later time in his life and ministry. So Paul always remind his audience to know that the words that he's going to say or the revelation that they are going to read is as a result of Jesus appearing to him or Jesus teaching him about this and that he is nobody's apostle he is an apostle that has been ordained not by man not of man but by Jesus Christ himself so that is what he referred to that he is an apostle by the will of God if God had not used people like Paul to convey the message would have had a misconception that the era of, of the apostles are gone. If you look at the definition that was given to us by Peter when he said, those that have been with the Lord from the beginning to the time that he resurrected and appeared to them, they should come into the place of an apostle and replace Judas. If we go by that, we are going to say, oh, the realm of the, the apostles was closed. But we know that is not true. Why? Because we also find out that Jesus called Paul into the ministry, which means that Jesus can decide at any time, at any age, at any season to call people to be apostles. Now, if you look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 Paul said and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers so we see here that it is a gift that the Lord Jesus Christ still gives to the church for the benefit of the saints for the edifying of the church so why this is important also is to look back that the apostles which are the 11 apostles at the time didn't even know who Jesus Christ is they did not know who Jesus Christ is. Even when Jesus Christ had appeared to them, Jesus Christ now had to begin to unveil to them what the scriptures has written about him. So a true apostle then is not just about someone who has seen um, the Lord, that the Lord appears to him. The Lord does appear to people. But the true apostle is someone that has a revelation of Jesus Christ from the scriptures now i told you that these guys have special revelations it has to do with it's a calling everybody should have revelation about jesus but these guys this is what they do this is what they live for there is a special grace and anointing upon them to unveil christ from the scriptures and one of those examples is paul who have never worked with jesus but who carefully understood the mind of god about sending about sending his son jesus christ so having said that concerning paul an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god we can now look at other aspects of verse one where he said that this letter is written to the saints which are at ephesus and to the faithful in christ now if you look at other scriptures about this you will say those who are sanctified and who are faithful in christ jesus now there is a reason why Paul distinguished the word saints and faithful. For you to understand that who are saints 
and who are those called faithful. They are slightly different and I will explain why that is. Now, the saints are those who have been sanctified by Jesus Christ. You know there is a saying people say nobody is a saint. But that is a lie. If you are a believer, each time you agree with that, you are saying that the word of God lies. And let God be true, let the whole word be liars. So, the word of God says that anyone who have believed in Jesus is a saint from the word sanctified. In other words, you are separated. You are called apart. You were chosen out of somewhere onto something. So when he said we are saints, he was talking about those who the Lord have chosen, who have come to the Lord. Those who God have set apart for himself and for his purposes. So let's look at that aspect. Let us begin from the words of Jesus Christ. The gospel according to John from chapter 17 and from verse 17. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So here we can see that we are saints because of what? Because of the word of God, which is truth, which we have obeyed. And Jesus has said, God should sanctify us with the word of the truth. Now, if you look at the book of Ephesians in verse 12 and 11, he said, We should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So you find here in the scriptures them that it agrees with what Jesus said, sanctify them by thy word, thy word is truth, and we see that you are a saint set apart to God when you believe the gospel of God's truth. We are sanctified by the word. If you also go to the book of Acts chapter 26 from verse 14, and when we were all falling to the earth, and I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Where art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of the things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me we are not just sanctified by the word of god we are also sanctified by faith in jesus so if you look at another scripture in romans 15 verse 15 let's quickly look at that nevertheless brethren i have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, and that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So we are sanctified or set 
apart also by the Holy Ghost. So we are sent by the word. We are sent by our faith in the word of God. We are sent because after we believe the word of God, we receive the Holy Ghost as well. So if you put these three together, it agrees with what Paul says in the book of Ephesians, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So you can see here that what Paul was saying here from the beginning that he was speaking to the saints, those who believe in God, uh, he was trying to show you that you are already set apart because of your faith in God. Not because of what you did, not because of how you acted, but because you only believed. And this is why Paul could begin his letter that this letter is written to those who are sanctified. Now, I want to say this very strongly to you, and I think this is crucial. The epistles are not written to unbelievers. Go through the epistles, they are not written to the unbelievers. They are written specifically to the believer. They are God's heart, God's perspective, God's cares and burden to the church. That's the saints, those who are set apart for himself. So these are letters, love letters, if I may, you know, Kenneth again will call them love letters. These are God's love letters to his saints. So we are set apart. So Paul said he is writing this to those who are already set apart, who have believed the gospel. And that is why it is important for you to understand it. So don't go and try explaining to unbelievers the book of Ephesians. The natural man is not in a state to receive spiritual things because he's spiritually blind to it he might probably compound the problem so i don't want to go into that now but i just want to draw your attention that this book is written this letter is written to the saints and paul said to the faithful in christ jesus now some people thought that paul just used words and like i said to you they don't just use words the holy spirit don't just use words the words that are used here are carefully chosen for our own admonition so for you to understand what paul means by faithful who is someone that is faithful that's the person who have not changed is someone who has integrity still intact who have not derailed who have not backslidden you can that's where we have the opposite of it the antonym is to say someone who have backslided who cannot be trusted at his words as well so or who have changed course so that person is not faithful to a particular cause or faithful to the words that he has spoken. So someone that is variable, that is not constant. So when you look at that word, it makes you wonder why Paul could say that who are saints and who are also faithful. So what it, for you to have a perfect understanding about it, you have to go back to the ministry of Paul to the Ephesians again so that you can have an understanding. And it's a long read, but please be prepared to read with me because what we are doing in this series is a study guide for the book of um, Ephesians. So help you navigate and see the beauty of these epistles that have been written by the Holy Ghost through the pen of Paul. So let's read from Acts chapter 19. This is the second time Paul is coming to the city of Ephesus. So we'll read from verse 14 downward. It's a long read, but please be prepared to read uh, this with me. So I'll be reading from the NLT um, translation. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, 
we are doing this, commanding evil spirits to come out of a certain person. Verse 15, he said, But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house, naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to the Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burnt them at a a public bonfire. The value of the books were several million dollars. Verse 20, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the spirits to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business, but as you have seen and heard, This man Paul had persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And and he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess, Worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world will be robbed of a great prestige. At this, their anger boiled and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. In KJV, you are going to see, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Verse 29, Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, Some, one thing and other, another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alessandra forward and told him, to explain the situation, he motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for about two hours. And what were they shouting? Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, Everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. 
If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session, and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make formal charges, and if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I am afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government since there is no cause for all this commotion, and if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then it dispersed them, and they dispersed. Chapter 20, verse 1, when the opera was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. And this is one of the reasons that Paul said to them, faithful in Christ Jesus. Obviously, what would have happened after Paul had left, because Paul could no longer appear publicly, because now he's known and he's a wanted man among, there was tendency uh, for there to have risen a persecution among believers at Ephesus. So Paul could call them faithful. So who are the faithful? Well, the faithful are those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and are still in the line of faith despite any persecution that have risen. So Paul is writing to the saints who are also faithful in Christ Jesus. It is very important you understand that, that he's written, writing to them who are saints and are also faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ, which means that they have not gone back on their confession of Jesus Christ. They are not ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. They have kept the faith um, in Jesus Christ. Despite the persecution that have risen, therefore they are faithful. So that is very important. Now, a lot of people will not believe that, especially for those who say that it is not possible for believers, once they've received the Lord, not to backslide, um, and not to go out of the faith, but that it is that that is just not possible, possible or conceivable. Now, I want to tell you something from the scriptures that that is not scriptural. Um, yes, I know what the scripture says that God is able to keep us from falling. Yes, I also know the or the scripture that God is able to save to the uttermost. But that's what gets interesting. Maybe someday when we'll be talking about. Um, once saved, always saved. Looking at that doctrine from biblical perspective, we'll be able to deal with that extensively. But for now, it will suffice you to at least know certain scriptures that talks about faithfulness, that it is possible for believers to live the faith. And I want to show you that in the scripture. Turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the what from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Can you read that again? Now the spirit speaketh expressly. So this is unambiguous. This is clear that in the latter times, that in the end times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Okay, so. Let's look at the scriptures again. Notice that word, from the faith. So what does it mean to say from the faith? From the faith is different from having faith. Trusting God for healing, trusting God for your finances. The faith there is how the apostles, how the early church refers to Christianity. They believe that the gospel is the gospel of faith, of faith in God, of faith in Jesus Christ. So they always qualify it by the word, the faith. And let me show you that in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 7. You will see here that it said, And the word of God increased, 
and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So you can see that this has to talk about Christianity, the born again experience here. And he said, a lot of the priests came to know the Lord. So that is the faith. I also want to show you that in Acts chapter 13, Paul's first missionary journey with Barnabas, Acts chapter 13, 6 to 8. So let's read that. He said, And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, who was a Jew, whose name was Bar Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So Christianity is called the faith. So when Paul said in the book of First Timothy, First uh, Timothy four eleven, that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days that some shall depart from the faith, he meant it. So which means that some shall depart from believing in Christ. It is possible if we can link that, if we can see that in the Scripture. I don't know what else it is that anyone can say but it is possible now let me show you another one from first timothy 6 9 12 verse 9 and to 12 it said but they that will be rich by all means fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition verse 10 for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So Paul here is saying that many people who loved money, who have given their affection and their hearts to money to make it by all means, they have heard from the faith so that they can be able to acquire money at all costs. Um, that's what the Bible says. You cannot serve God and mammon together. You either like one master and hate the other. So that agrees closely with what Paul said that some have heard from the faith, from Christianity. Now in verse 11, he said, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So, if you look at this last verse, verse 12, it said that Timothy should lay hold on words on eternal life. And this is really important because a lot of the argument that people have made is that the life that we've received in Christ is an eternal life, a never-ending life, and there is no way that you can actually backslide um, or go out of the faith because once you are saved, you are always saved. But you see here that Paul talked about people that can err from the faith, and he told um, Timothy that Timothy should lay hold on eternal life. That means that lay hold on, be faithful to what you have professed. Be faithful to the calling that God has called you. Be faithful to this life of faith in God. The faith in believing that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Be faithful to that call. Be faithful to what you've professed. And that is why he said, lay hold on eternal life. And he said, whereunto you are called and have confessed a good com- profession before many witnesses. Which is, what is our confession before many witnesses? That we believe in Jesus Christ. That we accept him as our Lord and as our Savior. That is the confession that and um, profession that we have made before many witnesses. So my dear brothers and sisters, it is possible from scriptures that you can believe the Lord and for one reason or the other, you can depart from the faith. I want to show you that one more again because one of the things I do is I, I like repeating the word of God so that you can always have a lot in your personal study time to go through. So first, Second Timothy, we'll look at um, chapter 2 verse 15. Let's look at that quickly. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenos and Philetus. 18. Who concerning the truth of the gospel had erred, saying that, that they have gone out of the way, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the fate of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So, you see here what Paul was also saying to him that, what Paul was saying to Timothy is that Timothy needs to study the word of God and show himself approved. Why? To avoid error. Error of not dividing the word of God carefully. So he said, because some people have fallen into that category and they are Hymenos and Philetus. So these guys studied the scriptures but not carefully. And they came up by one means or the other that the resurrection is past. So there can be no resurrection. So what is the essence of believing? The whole world is doomed. You were already in the uh, apocalyptic uh, uh, era where the end of the world had come and so the sufferings in the world and I, 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 we are condemned and doomed to destruction. So these guys, which is um, Philetus and Imenos, could confuse some um, believers to believe that the resurrection is past. We've missed the resurrection. And as a result of that, he said it led to ungodliness and a lot of people departed from the faith. He said he had overthrew the faith of some. So some people no longer believe in the Jesus Christ and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, it's past. We missed it. But Paul was saying to Timothy here that in the house, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Why is Paul saying that nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure? He's saying that so that you can understand that whatever God is building remains. And there is the seal upon that foundation. And what is whatever God is doing, there is a seal upon it. And what is that? He said, the Lord knoweth them that are his. There are some people that you might have seen. There are some people that you know that they are out of the faith. They've heard from the faith and you might just not know. But he said, nevertheless, God knows them that are his. So you see here that it is possible for people to go to church and yet they are not saved. And it is possible for a believer to believe and stop believing. This is the reason why Paul said to those who are saints, who have been sanctified, who have been separated unto God, to be chosen by God, to be called God's elect, that he is writing this letter to them and those who 
have been after they've been separated and they've been set apart for God still continues in that line of their faith in God. That's scriptural. They just shall live by faith. It's very scriptural. So that's why Paul referred to them as faithful. So these people are those who have believed Christ and who still believe in Christ. Hallelujah. Um, I'm not saying this in a sense of um, condemnation or anything. I'm saying is that you have to continue in faith. That that's more what's important. You have to continue in the faith, and we've seen that. So, we if you go back to the book of Ephesians, um, chapter one, you cannot read with understanding. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now you cannot understand why this is. We've taken four episodes to look at what Paul was just saying in verse 1 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. But it is worth it. Isn't it? Won't you agree? And I believe that if this is how we study the scriptures, we are always going to have an understanding of what is being said. So, may the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening. Join us again uh, next week as we look at verse 2 of chapter 1. Trust that it's going to be an awesome time and that you will be blessed. My name is Paul Aremo God bless you and bye-bye.